San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good buddy. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760 KFMB or tune in radio, you can hear us on any device as this show airs. And all these podcasts are commercial-free on IYMoney.com. Now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire, accomplished marathon runner, a best-selling author, a lecturer, philanthropist, and a family office expert advising several high net worth families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? Joe, I'm out of breath because I dashed in from Indian Wells where I was watching <laughs> tennis on Thursday, Friday, and this morning. And another great year of tennis, right? Another great year of tennis. Wonderful. And, of course, Desert Smash, big success. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, if you didn't think the show was going to pot <laughs> tonight... Yeah, you're going to get an indication. Actually, we did another a prior show on <laughs> cannabis, but it, of course, it's on everybody's lips. Ugh, another bad pun. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, but we, we uh, got a new guest in the joint. Yes, we do. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. One in a row, Richard. All right, I'm proud of you. But um, anyway, I met this gentleman at a conference last summer down at the convention center. Very well attended by uh, all, all kinds of vendors and people involved in the cannabis uh, industry. And, uh, of course, we had a recent one uh, here in San Diego um, earlier at the Sheraton. But the founder and CEO of uh, uh, Canopy San Diego is with us, Eric Gomez. Eric, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Our absolute pleasure. Now, um, I just want to tell people the Canopy, your organization, it's a mentorship program. It helps people get involved in in startups with seed stage investment and training, et cetera, correct? That is correct. We're a business accelerator. So mm-hmm. we invest in what's going to be about 32 companies over the next two years. Mm. And each company goes through a 16-week mini MBA program, if you will, mm. where we bring in you know 50 to 60 uh, business leaders from around the community um, in all different uh, business um, segments and have them you know, teach our companies and become their resources. Gotcha. Now let's get into your background a little bit. Born and raised where? Educated where? Because I know you weren't into cannabis. Uh, you know, you know, uh, correct. You know, uh, this yeah, is more of a recent thing. So tell us about your history a little bit. Yeah, I was raised in Mexico City <coughs> and mm-hmm. moved up here when I was 10 years old to San Diego. Uh, went to UCLA, got an engineering degree, went into the datacom world, worked for some big uh, Fortune 100 companies, experienced mm. the uh, the bubble and the burst, if you will, of the dot-com uh, industry. Then went back to school, got an MBA in real estate finance, worked in real estate development, worked for another very large public company and witnessed the uh, bubble burst of the real estate <laughs> field. So. <laughs> This time around, I realized uh, better to get in on the front end uh-huh. um, rather than on the back end. Yeah, but all the great experience. What were, what were some of the Fortune 100 companies you worked with? Because I was with MP3.com for the glory year. I was with GT, which is now Verizon. Then uh-huh. I was with PacBell, which is now AT&T. And then I was with... Uh, I think I had one of their phones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember those days. Yeah, basically. Uh, and, and then with uh, in the real estate, it was Prologis, which I think is still being is still Prologis. Gotcha. Although they've had a few mergers. Well, interesting. Uh, I just heard a story recently about talk about real estate in the cannabis industry, but uh, a real estate investment trust uh, mm-hmm. is has arisen. And is that a relatively new development with regard to this field? 
Um, the real estate investment trust, yes, as mm. far as being publicly traded. Uh, the real estate aspect of, of cannabis has always been uh, central to, mm-hmm. to where the opportunity lies. Mm-hmm. And as people are handing out licenses uh, in California starting in 2018, um, the location is uh, one of the integral components mm. of those licenses. Now, for the record, I'm, I don't partake, but I do believe in the in you know getting rid of the prohibition and decriminalizing. I don't think people should be going to jail for carrying mm. marijuana or whatever. Uh, and apparently, well, majority of of America is starting to agree with us on this. We're getting some pushback from from uh, the Oval Office. Have you ever seen uh, some of that recent information and uh, announcements? I have, and we all need to be careful about what we. Um, what news makes it to us first. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's slightly incomplete. In the case of the Oval Office, uh, you know, Donald Trump has been pretty adamant about states' rights, and we saw it recently with you know, some mm-hmm. of the more civil issues, um, that he wants to give states the ability to make their own decisions and put those in front of the federal. Um, I think you should send him. You should send him some free samples. I think he can use it. But uh, that's just me. <laughs> well, but Joe, it's, it, but Joe, seriously, it's always yeah. dangerous when you have federal law being different than a particular state law. Yeah, isn't that weird? I mean, it's still a yeah. schedule one. It's right up there with heroin and, and cocaine, right? And it's uh, it's uh, they're con- it's really a convoluted, confusing issue. Cocaine's a schedule two. A schedule two, <laughs> really. <laughs> Which You're, means which means you can do research on it, which is something that's highly lacking. In you cannabis. mean to tell me cannabis is rated worse than than cocaine? Uh, that's unbelievable. I can't yep. believe that. Huh. Huh, yep. huh, huh? Did you know that, Richard? I didn't. No, know. I don't know anything about. Well, I mean, the history is yeah, fascinating, yeah. and and I I don't want to go into it. But I remember no. when LSD, Joe. I remember growing up in the Bay Area when LSD was legal <laughs> yeah. when I was a kid. No, the history is important, and I think. Um, you know, we, we have time, so I mean, if you want to give give us a little thumbnail sketch, I, remember I Timothy Leary? Yeah, yeah. LSD. Yeah. He's going to give us some <laughs> history, Richard. Hang on. <laughs> That's history. I was giving you some history. I know, but yeah. we're on a, fo- a cannabis, Richard. Focus, focus. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I should start by saying I'm not a historian, so okay. some some of these may be slightly inaccurate. But okay. but in general, you know, the plant was demonized. It's been in use for for you know centuries, millennia across five the, seven thousand years, world. right? China, for God's sake, right? Yeah, so, for various different reasons, be it medicinal, be it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, spiritual, mm-hmm. and uh, it was demonized here in the United States, even though it was actually being used as medicine in the early 1900s. And then in the 20s, there was an episode, and then the 70s again, where really political uh, leaders were looking for ways to demonize certain social and demonize groups. Why you think is the alcohol industry perhaps? Uh, uh, that was one of them. Um, mm-hmm. When you know, when Enslinger lost uh, basically prohibition for uh, alcohol, he kind of needed something to do, mm-hmm. and um, you know. One thing that most of these political leaders found in common was that all the immigrants and all the um, ethnic ethnic minorities were all, you know, shared the use of cannabis. Mm-hmm. So they chose cannabis to demonize, thereby demonizing those ethnic groups. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, not unlike uh, what we see today, right, uh, finding different reasons to not uh, let people in or not pe- give people the right uh, mm-hmm. the rights that everybody else should have in this country. Mm-hmm. And I have to mention Native Americans, I guess. They, uh, they were... Uh Certain factions did use cannabis as part of their rituals and, and whatnot, right? Yep. It's pretty ubiquitous across the world. Yeah. And we should distinguish. I, I mean, there's cannabinoid. There, there's there's um, properties involved in cannabis that are non-psychoactive that may have great uh, medical and health benefits, right? That is correct. And that that's really the most interesting, fascinating, and I think inspirational part of this entire movement is that we haven't yet discovered what all the uses are for all the cannabinoids in mm-hmm. the plant. Um, depending on who you ask, there's between 90 and like 250 cannabinoids in the plant. Um, THC is just one of them. CBD huh. is just one of them, right? So 
Um, you've got a lot yet to discover and figure out uh, what kind of ailments and what kind of symptoms they can treat. And they are getting some good results with the epilepsy, Parkinson's. Tell us a few of uh, these others. I think epilepsy is probably the first one to be fully tested and mm-hmm. known to work. Mm-hmm. GW Pharmaceuticals, which uh, came out of the, uh, well, the but UK. But what, what about pain mit- mitigation? I thought that was... Uh, yes. Um, obviously, yes. That's, yeah. um, I would say, the most common right. over-the-counter treatment, if you want to okay. put it that way. But as far as actually determining, you know, uh, specific pathways and being able to mm-hmm. produce the same product over and over again and put it in a pill, mm-hmm. um, also not cause a high, right? So the epilepsy right. that children have, where there's Dravet syndrome or Lennox Gastaud uh, syndrome, you know, it's critically important, obviously, that, that they're buying their medicine from a doctor mm-hmm. um, and not from a, you know, quote unquote dispensary. Yeah. So um, that, that's huge. And so they're in clinical, I think they're in stage three clinical trials here in the U.S., um, looking for orphan drug status, and if that happens, the FDA is going to have to move yeah. and start allowing mm-hmm. certain um, cannabinoids to be used and legalized. And we are getting some pushback from, I would assume, Big Pharma because they want to keep. I mean, we'll get into the opioid yep. thing after the break. So how how long to the break then, Justin? Because like one minute, okay. But uh, we will get it. I mean, the opioid problem obviously it's a crisis in this country. You're reading about it and seeing about it all the time, right? Yes, and they are the biggest opponents of legalization, especially in Arizona, because we've seen in the states where uh, medical cannabis is legalized, the opiate use and revenue has gone down, huh. uh, some by as many as 25%. To me, that's wow. a good thing. We'll get into more of these details with Eric Gomez, founder of Canopy San Diego, right after this. Hang on. All right, Green Acres. Very this is the place to be. Very clever, Justin. Yeah, very that's clever. good, Justin. We're back with uh, Eric Gomez, CEO of Canopy San Diego, an accelerator, business accelerator right here in San Diego. Where are you located, Eric? Up in uh, North, uh, I think, Carroll Canyon area? Or? Correct. I, I think Sereno Valley is the most common term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, Eric, question. Um, I work in the family office world, which mm-hmm. family offices are typically associated with rather wealthy families who tend to internalize a lot of the resources, their investments. I was invited earlier this week to a family office event, which is the first ever, as I could tell from any family office association, the first ever cannabis conference to be attended by about 150 wealthy families who are or are contemplating investing in this field or industry or whatever you wish to call it. Which so, what advice can you give us? So that would suggest yeah. that <laughs> that's, that would suggest that this is big business or is mm-hmm. about to be big business. Yes, and uh, because it is a Schedule One drug and federally illegal, that is keeping a lot of the big institutional investors out. Mm-hmm. So family offices are in the perfect position. Yeah, to that's take what I was going to say. That, that, that the non-institutional investor mm-hmm. that is wealthy, which is a family office, mm-hmm. would seem to be sitting in an opportune position. You need a lot position. of liquid people with big pockets. Was that what you're yep. saying, Richard? <laughs> well, yeah, but but I mean, you know, usually these conferences are like about how to go buy real estate. Yeah. You know, just boring stuff. Well, let's explain what happened. I don't mean boring stuff, but, you know, typical stuff. Let's explain what happened with uh, IIP and their parent company. I guess they sold the... Tell us, Eric, about that, the whole thing, and the the REIT, what's going on there. Sure. So they they took a couple of of things and melded them together. Uh, One is the obvious need for capital in the industry. So as many people know, if you're a cultivator, dispensary, mint producer, tester, you can't really just go to the bank and ask for uh, a loan and certainly... They won't give you bills in a brown paper sack? And they won't even give you a checking account. So <laughs> so they need so these uh, manufacturers need cash. And so they took um, the real estate investment opportunity 
and basically put together a, a sale leaseback program. Mm-hmm. So they buy the you know the land off the cultivator and give them cash back, so it moves it off their balance sheet onto their um, income statement. And then um, you know the IIP guys are counting on on the appreciation of the land and also paying off dividends to their investors as they are made forced to by being uh, a tax entity as a REIT. So it's a really nice solution. Um, it, it, how successful they are going to be is yet to be determined because we're going to have to see where the price of cannabis mm-hmm. goes and the underlying price of those uh, b- those buildings. Yeah. yeah, and also the issue of is that the highest and best use of that that real estate, or are there other better uses? Yeah. That will change over time. It yeah. will change over time. Yep. <laughs> now the city, yeah. the county. The last I heard with the city, they put like a nine month. Um, uh, kibosh on on anything involved in the supply chain regarding cannabis, and there's and there's about what eight uh, dispensaries in the in the city operating right now. Is that correct? From what I hear, yes. So you've got, and this is almost a daily checkup. Um, you've got the city, and then you've got the county, mm-hmm. all making decisions on their own mm-hmm. uh, based on interests, um, mostly personal. And so you've got people very confused, mm-hmm. and depending on where you are, you're able to operate, or you have to, you know. Or uh, look at this five-year, you know, potential mm-hmm. shutdown, which is a long ways away. It's basically saying we don't like you here, but you know, mm-hmm. chances they're not going to get shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it basically cr- creates a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of paperwork, and a lot of uncertainty in the industry. So it's not healthy for anybody, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But there are, go ahead. and then I think I believe the state has to license and regulate every every um, business involved in the supply chain as well, and that's supposed to happen. By January 1, but I'm even hearing that it may take a lot longer due to uh, the complexity of the issue. In other words, quality control of the, of the oils and, the, and the, the, uh, you know, the cannabis and everything else, right? I mean, it's going to be Yes. It, it is complex. The, the good thing about California is they've already seen Colorado, Washington, Oregon, mm-hmm. and Alaska go through this. So they've got four examples to learn from, and hopefully they'll do it well. Mm-hmm. Taxation is another big question mark that people are fighting over yeah. very, very uh, loudly yeah. um, for, for right reasons. I did like the city. They, 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 they imposed a 13% tax even before it passed, Richard. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, another issue that interests me, because my foundation is based up in Oceanside, um, there's a big issue in Oceanside about whether or not home delivery yeah. Could, would be allowed. And, of course, Oceanside has a very high uh, population or demographic of veterans who are basically taking marijuana for pain mit- mitigation, and it's difficult for them, for example, to get out mm-hmm. to um, to a dispensary. But in the meantime, since and, Prop 64 decriminalized, uh, yeah. apparently the law is now you can carry up to an ounce on your person and you can grow have Right, sick. but if it's tough to get out and, and I, they don't allow home delivery, how do you even get access to what well, you Well, that's the... Well, I'm just saying, if you'd let me complete my yeah. thought. So, there, and you're allowed to grow six plants, right, Eric? So... Yes. I guess you're going to learn from your friends who's growing and who's, uh, yeah, and you're not supposed to sell it. So uh, right. <laughs> I don't know, so but f- there is a big underground market and it's only going to grow, right? Yeah. From what I understand, you know, the collective model, the nonprofit model, the vertical integration model is all going to go away. So now it's going to okay. become a regulated, think of the alcohol industry. Mm-hmm. You have to have distributors that are licensed and have certain, you know, uh, regulatory uh, reporting they have to comply with. And so every step of the way from cultivation to delivery to the consumer, there's going to be a distributor level. Mm. Um, that co- that adds cost, but it also adds security for us as consumers mm-hmm. and make sure we're getting the right, um, product. the appropriate product, yeah. a safe product. 
And uh, so there will be delivery was written, I believe, into the latest regulations. Mm -hmm. And I did rem uh, from the conference last summer, uh, right to the right of the stage where you were speaking was Tradiv, which is a company based in North County. And they're kind of the Amazon of cannabis, Richard, if you can believe it. T-R-A-D-I-V. You can go on. It's, it's mostly to uh, connect growers with retailers, right? Uh, Correct. And uh, but it's like Yelp sort of as well, because people, uh, I guess they do uh, uh, rate it. They rate all the product and there's different categories, whether it's mold, mildews and, and uh, strengths and all these other things. Right, uh, Eric? And, yeah, you know. it's, it's an interesting model because they, they came in to solve a very uh, real problem, which was how do the cultivators find the dispensaries and how do they understand what the prices are in the market. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, because they were so early, they didn't understand exactly how the regulations were going to roll out in each state. Mm -hmm. So now they're trying to adjust to that, mm -hmm. to the fact that now there is, you know, forced distribution in there somewhere in between. Um, so they're becoming almost more of a tracking and, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, quality control mm -hmm. function mm -hmm. because there's going to be actual physical transporters and distributors um, that then have to go get the product tested. Um, so things are changing around, but they've got a great. Um, but it's going to increase employment. I mean, I look at look at your website. But, but Joe, instead of five stars, you get five leaves. I mean, yeah, how, how do you grade? Well, you got to go on and look, look, go on okay. your site and figure it out and, and look. But anyway, think of this, folks. Not only is it the farmers and the grow technology, but energy and water technology, payments, banking, back office packaging, certification, data analytics, health. You know, extraction, processing, technology, internet, and social media, all it, of these. It's also consistent with the reduced footprints in terms of, um, shall we yeah, say, being green. But I'm just saying, uh, Eric, Erickson, this is such a complex, and, and this is going to create a lot of work, jobs, isn't it? I mean, it already has, and, and where yep. do you think it's going? I, I want to say the last couple of days a report came out said that about 280,000 jobs are going to be created in the next wow. three years. Huh. Personally, I think most of those numbers are, are missing a large part of this industry. So they're basically looking at what today is medical and radical mm -hmm. uh, recreational sales through dispensaries. Mm -hmm. But as we discussed earlier, there's so many medical applications for this that, mm -hmm. that really you can't just say there's one cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. There are really, cannabis is a plant, it's a raw material, and it's servicing, its products will go into six major industries. Mm -hmm. Pharmaceutical, clinical, therapeutic, wellness, recreational, and spiritual. Mm -hmm. Today we really only have spiritual and a little bit of wellness. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at taking chunks out of, as you mentioned, the opiate market, mm -hmm. pharmaceuticals. You're looking at taking a chunk out of the alcohol market. Mm -hmm. You're looking at um, taking a chunk out of, you know, some of the wellness, um, you know, superfruits and things that are out there today. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really- well as supplements. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. So this really is, you know, you have to really define what you're speaking of when people look at market projections and job creation and things like that, because mm -hmm. it really are six major industries that are yeah. going to take advantage of this raw material. Outstanding, outstanding. Well, um, you know, obviously, when people can you can doctors now prescribe or not quite yet? I don't think they can. Can they? Uh, that's a really good question, <laughs> and we're trying to help solve that problem by giving them tools and data and information. Uh -huh. um, the as far as what the uh, California Medical Association says and all the all the and, and forgive me, I'm not part of this world. Amy, I well, don't think they're quite on board yet. Uh huh. Well, we'll just have to educate them, folks, <laughs> and uh, stay tuned. But we'll come back with Eric Gomez from Canopy San Diego right after these words. Hang on. All right, we're back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life. 
And this is the time where Richard and I like to thank our sponsors. So premier among them is ABC Family Law, headed up by attorneys Sharon Blanchet and Lisa Christensen, with many years of great experience and work in the field of family law. And Richard has some more. Since we're reciting the alphabet, how about UBS? <laughs> Big thank you to UBS. Michael Carantra with UBS could not do this show without them as well. Also, our favorite CPAs on the planet. we got two groups of them. Yes, I know it's tax season. If that's your thing, how about Plato Epic CPAs in San Marcos, a more traditional accounting and income tax firm. And then we also have Jason Kruger's great company, Signature Analytics, a CFO service firm. So much more specialized, helping small and medium-sized businesses get more efficient and grow. Also, our good friend Joel Greskin with Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. In fact, Joe, Joel was telling me that there's great cost segregation associated with the structures that are used to grow marijuana. Great depreciation. This saves you a lot of income tax dollars, all this cash flow that you save. How about you stash it at Mechanics Bank? A great local bank out of Orange County, the UTC or the San Diego region, of course, run by Sean Puckett. Mechanics Bank assists wealthy families and families in the real estate business with their unique banking needs. Also, Hub International, great employee benefits firm. Things are changing in the employee benefits world because of the possible repeal of the ACA bill. Again, Neil Staley, formerly known as Mars Maddox, Hub International, great employee benefit term. Also, the LG Experience and the Lombardi Group, helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs to the CPA's very best clients. Our great friend Paul Hines, a big tennis fan too. Paul, of course, heads up Hearthstone Private Wealth Management, and he's also the catalyst behind SeniorSafeAndSound.org here in San Diego, helping to prevent financial abuse of the elderly. Also, Michelle St. Clair with Elite Lifestyle Management, Michelle's company helps those of us who have no time get things done, from simple things like travel plans to more complex things, like where to find our next marijuana-growing location somewhere in the country. <laughs> Michelle can help you do that. Also, Brenda Geiger, the law office of Brenda Geiger. Big event coming up on May 12th. Some great continuing education. Brenda, of course, specializes in asset protection and estate planning. And last but not least, two days from now on Monday and Tuesday, the Servant Leadership Institute. It's having their national conference here in San Diego at the Marriott Marquis. That's the Marriott down by the convention center, down by the water, down by the boats. ServantLeadershipInstitute.com has some great speakers. Charles Hazelwood's going to be there. Art Barter, our guest last week. Check that out on their website. Again, that's on Monday and Tuesday, the 13th and 14th at the Marriott Marquis. And Joe, if it's around dinner time and you're getting hungry, only if that's the only reason why you're getting hungry. Or if you have the munchies. Or if you have the munchies, <laughs> we can help you. There's the, How uh, can we do that? There's the Berry Good Food Foundation headed up by Michelle ciccarelli Lirac that does all great programs about food and sustainability throughout the year. Four great shows with us, plus the uh, annual Berry Good Night Dinner in June. And then uh, also there's the Lestat's Coffee House, if, and of course, coffee houses. Someone mentioned you know, in Amsterdam they do a lot of this where they uh, they have smoking in the coffee houses. They don't allow it what, now. What but, do they smoke? Well, what, I guess whatever. But anyway, the uh, they're located in Normal Heights, so University Heights. And Hillcrest open 24 7, 365. Joe, you can't smoke anything anywhere in San Diego. Um, well, you can, but uh, you know, Don't get you know not, not publicly. Exactly. Uh, and by the way, folks, you know, the cannabis laws in Erica Bear of the South, it's, it's the. Uh, it's the same now. You can't smoke cannabis uh, publicly, right? And you can't smoke it in your car, right, Eric? Uh, Correct. Yeah. It's. Uh, 
It's like alcohol in that you can't be in public. However, there are no licensed smoking lounges yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colorado's working on that. I think they did pass a bill a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And so I have no doubt that it'll, it'll happen in California. Now, I'm a big, I, I, don't, uh, I don't advocate smoking anything. Hookahs, uh, those fruit-flavored things, and, the, and the, the, remember those cinnamon, what were those, uh, those clove cigarettes? Ugh, horrible. <laughs> but um, uh, I guess the edible market is going to be picking up soon, right, Eric? It is. Uh, if you look at data that comes from, um, you know, one of our partner companies that does retail uh, sales data aggregation, the flour is still the majority of the sales. However, the fastest growing segment are all the concentrates. Mm-hmm. And within that segment is our edibles. Mm-hmm. The um, problem, if you will, with edibles is that it's really hard to understand the dose and the quality of the product. Mm-hmm. So that'll be improving as regulation rolls through. But people are seeking out more focused forms of concentrates. Um, uh, tinctures, lotions, yeah. uh, things that are a little bit more uh, easily understood. Which is what IIP is doing, I so, guess. Uh, uh, Eric, are there any studies on what percentage of the U.S. adult population uses some form of cannabis, whether it's consumption, lotion, any other form? You're talking over 21, right, Richard? Oh, yeah, over, yeah, wherever. I guess I, pick 21, yeah. yeah. And I, if you don't know, just say that, because I know sometimes we just ask these questions out of the blue. I would say, I think 12% is the most recent number I heard. About one out of eight. Now, that's admitted users, right? Yeah, So admitted, you got exactly. to figure that's probably it's more higher. like 20. Yeah. Um, and that is... It was sort of like admitted Trump voters. There were more Trump voters <laughs> than those who admitted to doing it. <laughs> yeah, so needless to say, it's, it's a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the voting, that's even more telling, right? Because right. 70% of Florida voted for cannabis legalization right. and only, what, 50-something voted for Trump. So, exactly. um, you know, that, that kind of tells you the, the massive uh, support. Maybe they knew what was coming, but so anyway. Ca- cannabis more popular than Trump. I like that. <laughs> um, but, Richard, there's the non-psychoactive benefits of this, of, of this uh, drug. I'm I sorry, guess what was that word? Non-psychoactive. That may be the largest word we've ever used on this show. Oh, no, we've used our joint. <laughs> okay. But uh, I've, I'm, I'm on a website now. It reduces chronic inflammation. It's a powerful antioxidant. It's a healthy uh, endocannabinoid. What's an endocannabinoid, uh, Eric? Does that ring a bell? Uh, the endocannabinoid system is, is a system in our body that really works a lot with homeostasis and regulation of other body functions. Mm. So it's almost like a control system, um, mm. which is why cannabis, now our body naturally produces cannabinoids, mm. but the cannabis plant also produces cannabinoids. So we can augment what we already have in our body with the actual gotcha. plant. So that's why we're so receptive to it. We have CB1, CB2 receptors. Mm-hmm. And so we use these as we normally do anything in our body um, to kind of regulate and balance, mm-hmm. which is why it works for so many different things. I see chronic anxiety, uh, CBD. I mean, Richard, we ought to look into this and then regulate. Joe, you know, I got a second home in Durango, Colorado. Yeah. Where, but, but this is the not. This is CBD. This is non-psychoactive. Yeah, but I'm saying you don't, right? you don't need to smoke to get right. the benefits but, of it because wherever Eric, you go. But now, now, as far as getting CBD, Eric, what's the best way to get that? Do you get it in an oil or? Um, uh, yes, there are a couple of different perspectives here, and again, this is where the the research is really going to help us out. Mm-hmm. Um, some people say that just pure CBD, like the kind you can get from a hemp plant, which mm-hmm. only which has very little THC in it, mm-hmm. is not as effective as CBD mixed with a little bit of THC and, and no mm-hmm. doubt other cannabinoids mm-hmm. that come along with it, which is more of an entourage effect. Mm-hmm. And they say that's really where the, um, if I can say, the magic of the plant happens. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's so many different strains and so many different um, compositions um, of plants that affect people different ways. So again, that's where the research really has to tell us um, what is most effective and for what symptom. And as as the research and data come in, I mean, they're they're saying to prevent maybe prevent cancer or certain forms of cancer, youthful yep. skin, protect your joints, strengthen your bones, uh, mm-hmm. reduces hardcore prescription meds, which is important for a lot of people, and even mm-hmm. protects your brain. So mm-hmm. so there you have it. 
But uh, let's get into some of your success stories, Eric, in terms of your accelerator. Uh, maybe take a one or two or three of uh, sample cases uh, where you've taken people from uh, A to Z and, and how, how that all happened and when, and maybe you can give us some description of that. Sure. Uh, first of all, you know, our business accelerator focuses only on ancillary, so we don't touch the plant. Okay. Now, as such, you know, we're not very sexy, right? We're doing mm-hmm. the non-sexy business infrastructure stuff. Mm-hmm. So to give you an example, our last cohort, we had two mobile apps, two software companies, one bioag company, one renewable energy company, one consumer goods company, and one digital media company. Huh. So we're covering the entire basis of all the business infrastructure that these companies need, the cultivators, dispensaries, MIPS, producers, testers need in order to be a real industry. Well, let's just um, take the renewable energy. That sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us what they're up to. Sure. A couple of engineers. Um, the company's called Icarus RT. And uh, one of the engineers, you know, worked on uh, one of the biggest, um, you know, solar energy plants here in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And it's basically an add-on to a solar panel that helps um, use the heat that's normally just given off as waste and creates an additional boost to the solar panel. So uh-huh. um, it also serves to cool the panel and, and increase efficiency as well. So, um, you know, nothing, <clears throat> we're not reinventing wheels here. We're just using uh, common sense and, and existing applications and focusing on cannabis because again, a lot of people are not looking at the space yet or not, aren't allowed to. Huh. So it gives us a lot of opportunity to build these businesses, build value, uh, build market share and client base, and then these companies will be very attractive acquisition targets mm. once the regulatory issues start clearing up, banking starts clearing up, and big mm-hmm. players start looking for um, acquisitions in the space. Excellent. Let's take our little break. We're going to come back with Eric Gomez, Canopy San Diego. We'll get into some more success stories right after this. Hang on. All right, we're riding the range here, checking out the plants. We're back with Eric Gomez, Canopy San Diego. And, um, gosh, I see that your strategic partners are ArcView Group and, uh, what was it, Outco Labs? I'm looking at mm-hmm. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about them before we get into your uh, sure. cases? Mm-hmm. Sure. ArcView is the largest uh, canvas-focused investor network uh, in the world, I believe. So think of them as a large angel network, just like TCA or any of the other groups here in, in SoCal. Mm-hmm. And so basically they get together in, uh, about quarterly in different forums, and the group pulls together you know, 10 to 20 different um, seed stage companies looking for investments, and basically you know, the two meet, and hopefully some, some capital is exchanged and hopefully some value is built. Mm-hmm. And so they're a key partner for ours because our companies are seed stage companies. So as soon as they graduate our program, they're ready to go on the ArcView stage. And they're ready to meet those, you know, those 630 investors mm. who are looking to um, make deals in cannabis. Mm. Mm. And Outco Labs? Outco Labs is the only entity here in San Diego County that's licensed to both cultivate and dispense marijuana. Um, they own some of the very first licenses here in San Diego. And you mentioned kind of the moratorium and some of the legal issues. They're way ahead in that, uh, in front of that, and very working in tune with all the local authorities mm. and making sure they're aware that they're 100% compliant and yeah. they're one of the responsible operators in yeah. this industry, which is not as easy to find as we go from black to white yeah. um, in the market. So well, they're a great partner for us. And I'll tell you a success story. Uh, heard from someone in the building here that they had a relative who had a piece of property they bought, I think, for about eight hundred thousand, and maybe you know the story. I think out in La Mesa Way or somewhere in that part of the of the county. And of course, it, it had just passed the ordinance had passed out there, and they turned around and sold that. I guess because mm-hmm. that space was uh, now going to be permissible for cannabis, uh, either retail or grow. I forget which, but sold it for over two million dollars, Richard. <laughs> yeah, I heard the story. Um, Is that, did you nice. hear that story? Did you know about I know there's a, there's a town down in the desert, too, yeah, yeah. that um, just um, allocated a bunch of allowable space 
Yep. As well. Um, it's not Indian Wells. It's near there. Yeah, Desert Hot Springs, Desert Hot Springs and yep. a couple other spots have become yep. very popular. And, you know, it's really taken advantage of unused land, right? Yeah. Um, the issue, obviously, with unused land is there's very little infrastructure, and all cultivators need a ton of power. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, going back to the renewable energy mm-hmm. um, example, or solving specific problems in the cannabis industry. Hmm. Had you heard that story about the East County property, Eric? Uh, I, did, I did not, yeah. but I'm glad that you told it to me because mm-hmm. when it comes to the real estate, as we spoke about before, um, I think people need to get in and get out and mm-hmm. <laughs> capture the value today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. All right, so tell us about some more of your uh, portfolio companies. or um... So a couple of them that uh, another one of our partners is Canopy Boulder. And they're the pioneers in this space as far as business accelerators in the ancillary space. Uh, in Boulder, they've been doing it for two years. And so that's how I got involved with this was, I, you know, I'm an investor. I'm an angel investor. And I was looking for, for deals. And so I went to Denver and met these guys and loved what they were doing. And so we partnered and basically duplicated the model out here. Mm. So two of the companies I like very much that have gone through their program, one of them is called BDS Analytics. And think of them as the Nielsen or IRI um, of the cannabis world. So they do retail data aggregation. And, you know, big, big brands, the Coca-Colas of the world, pay millions and millions of dollars for these kind of market reports. And they base a lot of their strategy on them. So um, when I heard about them and met their founder, to me it was just a really easy decision to say, hey, this is a company that you want to invest in in the cannabis space. Hmm. Another company is called Work. And they are, consider them the ADP of cannabis world. (laughs) So again, when there's no bank behind it, when there's no insurance behind it, um, you know, ADP certainly will not service the cannabis industry, although their salespeople will show up at your door mm-hmm. <laughs> for their own interests. Mm-hmm. Um, so they basically are the ADP of the system. And when they, you know, show that they know what they're doing and they have enough clients and, and the ADP of the world do start looking for acquisitions, they're going to be set up. So mm-hmm. these are the kinds of uh, two examples of, again, not exciting companies, fairly boring, fairly technical um, but uh, certainly poised to take advantage of this white space. Someone had suggested, and I don't know if you have an opinion on this, because uh, Richard doesn't understand it, neither do I, but Bitcoin. And uh, mm. that may be you know, an, an another currency that people in this space may use since you cannot get a commercial bank account. Do uh, you have any opinions or thoughts on that or, uh, it, or, uh, or doing it your own way? I list? have an opinion. <laughs> okay, and? Uh, Bitcoin blockchain, to me, that's, uh, there's a lot of risk there and there's a lot of unknowns. Mm-hmm. And so you, you combine that with the risks and the unknowns in the cannabis industry and you've got Double you know, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. <laughs> yeah. Two wrongs make a really big wrong, in my opinion. Again. Gotcha. Now, I could be wrong, and tomorrow that somebody could come out with a great solution that, you know, solves everyone's problems. Mm-hmm. So, Eric, what do you think the industry is going to look like if you could project 10 years from now? So, again, I think there's really six major right. industries that the cannabis plant is going to provide materials but I mean, is for. one going to be like the leader of all the well, other let's industries? Hear, let's hear what he says. Yeah. But I would say that the medical side okay. is has a lot more potential. Okay. Um, we all know how valuable drugs are and how much people will pay for them and mm-hmm. what kind of research and job creation goes behind uh, producing those drugs. Um, the rec side, you know, you, you have your, your analogs or your alcohol industry. Um, so we kind of know how big that is. So we can imagine them taking, you know, 30% out of that industry plus mm-hmm. their own. And then the rec, the lifestyle, the spiritual, you know, I think the numbers that are out there today are, are, are fairly accurate. So I think it's the wellness, the clinical, the therapeutic, the pharmaceutical industries that mm-hmm. are really hard to put a number on. But mm-hmm. I would say they're, they would um, probably be a lot bigger than the rec and the spiritual side. And is hemp making a comeback for other uses? I, I know back in the, I mean, they used to make clothes out of hemp and everything else. It has mm-hmm. a ton of industrial uses, doesn't it? Uh, build, it does. Building, uh, building uh, material and everything, right? 
it doesn't, I imagine, when um, laws loosen up that that will become a new, you know, massive commodity crop in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's, you know, we have to do, we do have to remember this is a plant, it is a commodity. So, you know, just like we have today certain places that produce more corn or wheat or sugar, mm-hmm. um, you're going to have the same thing with cannabis. Mm. So it may very well be India or China that's producing the I most I was going to say, watch China take this over. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's a farm. I mean, it's you don't well, need technology. I was going to ask, and, is it ever going to be traded on a commodities market? Well, since yes. Chinese Chinese medicine is, what, five or yeah. 7,000 years old, has this been a regular part of their uh, prescription uh, model? Um, I, I don't know. I'm not aware. Great question. Yeah. I, don't know. I don't know either. Something to research, though, mm-hmm. I would think. Uh, you know, we should know a little bit about that. But, um, you know, we'll get some other, you know, UCSD has a whole wing uh, just researching uh, medical marijuana, right? Uh, yes. I haven't dug into it too much. I know most universities want to be out in front of this mm-hmm. uh, for obvious reasons. There is so much to learn. Um, I don't know what how much their hands are tied because, for example, you just can't get your hands on enough cannabis to test it, right? Mm-hmm. So there are very few universities in the United States that are actually um, allowed to have cannabis and work on it. I think I want to say one of them is University of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And I think there's two more in Missouri, if I'm not mistaken. So they're working with limited amounts of cannabis and probably not the variety of strains that they would mm-hmm. like to. Mm-hmm. So even that research is, you know, second tier, if you will. Mm. So I'm not sure how UCSD is getting around that issue. If they're just, um, you know, able to buy oils, for example, from a Canadian producer that's producing, you know, pharmaceutical grade and exporting it to seven countries. Um, I would have to look into that more okay. to give you any, a good answer. Any publicly traded companies that you might want to recommend at this time or things to keep your eye on? What do you What do you in our last minute here? What do you think? Um, I would say GW Pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. is something you should look at. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think the value has already been had, but mm-hmm. um, the stock keeps going up every day. And they're traded a very low uh, dollar amount, right? I mean, they're like a buck mm-hmm. forty or something. Good like, question. Or, or Fourteen bucks or something. I mean, it's not a, it's a share isn't all that much. But anyway, keep going. I'm sorry. Yep. So they're ones that are producing Epidiolex, which is an epilepsy drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of more of those companies out there, um, and I don't know them well enough to tell you them. And then there the the ones that are making the most noise on stock exchanges are the ones in Canada. Mm-hmm. So you've got Afria, you've got um, Canopy Growth. And I think they just renamed themselves. But those are the ones that actually have, you know, I think um, Canopy with their acquisition of Metrum went over the billion dollar mark. So you could technically call them the first unicorn, uh, public unicorn. Hmm. Um, now, again, we're in the cultivation space and and, and, and a lot of changes are happening because, uh, you know, the, the price of a pound of marijuana is dropping anywhere from, you know, 15 to 40 percent, depending on what market you're in every year. So, you know, tread lightly. Mm-hmm. I think I was off on my share price. I think it's about a buck twenty, one hundred twenty-four dollars. But uh, it was over a hundred. Yeah, yeah, I see one twenty-four right yeah. now. But uh, in any case, that changes on a daily basis. Uh, but uh, good information. Um, I think UCSD is a lot. Uh, also, they're researching, you know, the law enforcement space, and we know point oh eight percent for blood alcohol is the legal limit. We're we're not sure what it is for. Uh, for someone driving a DUI with uh, cannabis or other things, right? I don't think that's going to work. Um, we talked about the endocannabinoid system a little bit, mm-hmm. and you know somebody can consume five milligrams of THC, and another person can consume five hundred milligrams of THC and act behave exactly the same way. Mm. So the amount of THC in your system is not reflective of your behavior. Hmm. Um, it has to be some sort of behavioral test. Ah, so another another uh, space to to explore. Mm-hmm. So, but Eric Gomez, thank you so much for being our guest with Canopy uh, SD, 
And the Here's. website is canbsd.com, right? Correct. So get, get in touch with them or learn more about that. Richard Musial, great seeing you again this week, and uh, you have, have a great week. Justin Hart, our board operator, thanks for making it sound terrific. Thanks to Craig Blanke, our con executive, and to Dave Sniff, our programming genius here at KFMB. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye now.